Hello, and welcome to Entangled, the podcast where we explore the science of consciousness, the true nature of reality, and what it means to be a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm your host, Jordan Euclid, and today I'm joined by my friend, Jeff King. In this discussion, Jeff and I talk about how his perspectives on life have changed since becoming a father. From there, we discuss what makes him optimistic about the future and whether our concerns about Gen Z are valid or misguided. Next, we discuss the American education system, where it's working and where we see room for improvement. We then discuss kettlebells and why Jeff views them to be one of the most versatile pieces of gym equipment. Next, we discuss the importance of breath and tips for getting into the gym when you've broken or never built that habit. We then discuss the benefits of cold showers, the importance of sleep, and tactics for building mental toughness. We end the discussion on modern technology and how it's impacting kids and young adults today. Outros available for this and all episodes available at entangledpodcast.substack.com. Music from the show available on the Spotify playlist, Entangled the Vibes. Please enjoy. Jeff King, super glad to have you back on the show, my friend. Yeah, man, it's great to be back. Um, I know this is this is round two for us trying to trying to get us back on for for my third appearance. So I really appreciate it, and also just really appreciate what you're doing. I think the range of topics that you cover in the, in this podcast are really cool. I was thinking about that before we joined. Um, just looking at like your show history and the platform you're giving so many different people. So. Um, I hope everybody takes the time to kind of look through it, appreciate that, and um, just congratulations, man. It's awesome. Thanks, man. And I really appreciate you coming on the show for the third time now. It's been such a blast getting to have these conversations with you. I mean, you know, our entire lives, it's it's fun to just connect and really go deep on a whole bunch of different topics. And then to just, you know, as we get older, obviously, schedules get busier and busier. So it's fun to be able to, like, take uh, take a couple hours, get together, and talk about some real deep stuff that we probably wouldn't get a chance to otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Which is one of the cool things about like this platform we talked about before. I've never heard of, you know, the studio that we're, that we're using. And I got to saw, see a little bit of what you're using live and everything like that. And also just like what podcasts are doing for people and for friendships and just having conversation, which today nowadays is, is more important than ever. Just getting different viewpoints on, on a lot of different stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as Jeff mentioned, we tried to record this uh, a couple weeks ago and I was back in town for the holidays. For any amateur podcasters out there, I learned the hard way that super high dose homemade edibles and confusing ass audio recording software don't really mix. So <laughs> thanks for coming back on to get this figured out again. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Jeff, one of the things that we had been touching on when we tried to chat last time was just, uh, you know, now that you're a father, how has that really changed your, your viewpoints on the world? Yeah. I mean, being a father, it's, it's, it's been, um, so my son, uh, he'll be seven months old and actually a little, a little less than a week. And it's been life changing, um, in so many positive ways. I mean, you think about it, like we touched on it a little bit. Everyone always talks about, you know, when they have kids and, and you don't have kids and they say, man, just wait till you have one. Like, it'll change your life. And you you, you look at them like, I'm sure, you know, I, I, when they tell you that, I don't know if you necessarily actually think about it until it's true, though, when it actually happens. And you're in the room and, you know, um, you know, we we're blessed with a very healthy baby and everything was great. And, you know, my wife was a rock star during the delivery and, um, the you know, the doctors and every the staff was incredible. And then since then, it's it's gone so fast 
but it just like it just enters you enter a new world of responsibility, uh, um, a new world of um, laughter that you never really would have thought about. I mean, they do like silly things where like if you did it, I'd probably be like, "What's wrong with you?" But <laughs> but but if I, <laughs> but, but if my son's doing it, it's, it's the best thing ever. Like you know, we we talked about it how you fight. When people are trying to get babies to smile on camera, the the funny things that happen, like there's always someone behind the camera, the person who's taking the picture, like look over here, look over here, why, like you know, making noise, <laughs> <laughs> doing all this stuff, and it's so funny. But then you you find yourself doing that just for a little bit of a smile, and it's really cool. It's really cool. I know that was kind of a long winded answer there, just but it, it, I honestly. Um, there's no way to, and this is true, to, to fully describe or we would have to be on here all day of, of the ways that having a child does change your life. And I'm only seven months into this thing. And then now we, we also did find out that um, we now have a second one on the way. So, um, you know, very, very, very excited about that. And uh, congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's going to be so um, there'll, be, there'll be 14 months apart around there, um, you know, obviously give or take some days, but uh, just wishing all the best and for you know another happy baby and um really excited about it yeah man that's awesome and did you feel that that transformation was like immediate the first time you saw him yes it and it it like so some of our friends also you know they've had recent kids um and um it's funny i was talking to one of our buddies who who had twins and um he was like you know, the second that they were born, it's, it's kind of like you immediately you're like, oh, yeah, I would die for this thing. You know what I mean? Like you like you, you just meet this 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 thing. And at that point, you know, obviously it's a baby, but, you know, they can't talk to you. They can't tell you things. Um, but it's just like immediately right away. It's like, oh, yeah, like this is this is now this is now my life. And things have changed um, in so many ways just like that. And it's it's the best way to, i think honestly the best word to say is is just the love that you feel when you see that baby and when you get a chance to hold that baby um it's just incredible and it it's a whirlwind when it happens and it's just of crying of laughter of smiling of you know um then the the doctors take the or the nurses take the baby away and clean them off and um you know you cut you cut the umbilical cord and it's just like uh it's like holy shit man it's just you know it's it's insane yeah 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 super yeah. insane yeah it's it helps to put put things in perspective right without a doubt i mean it, it's like okay you know i'm i'll be 35 um here upcoming this year i'm you know i'm 34 and you think about like how your parents look at you now it's it's crazy for me to think about looking at my son now when he'll be 34 years old and then just because you, you you look at him now and you put him in this little activity center to bounce around and uh-huh. and, and grab it he like makes a noise You're like oh my god <laughs> yeah. yeah you know to to live on their own and it's just it it is true I'll tell you this like I cannot believe already it's almost 7 months in and before you know it, we're going to be celebrating a year. And then two months, hopefully later, you know, we have another one coming. It's just like, it's, it's incredible. It's scary. It's don't get me wrong. It's scary. Um, but in really good ways. And once you kind of 
get through that. You know, you talk to people that have twins. Like I have another buddy who had twins, and he's like, I remember when they when he first had them. I was like, ask him how he was doing, and he just seemed so tired and just, <laughs> you know. And he's like, he's like, God, man, it would be so much easier with one, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but now, you know, his girls are are running around, they're talking a little bit, and he's like, dude, it's awesome. Like he's like, I can't imagine not having both of them. And humans just adapt; they just have that you find your schedule. I mean, people have been doing this shit for. A long, long time, and with with nowhere near the resources that we have, the health that we have, and if you think about it, at this point in time, there there has been no better time in history to have a child. So, um, you know, you just got to lean on people and find the right resources and find the schedule. And yeah, adapt. yep, totally agree. And now I want to ask you about that. You know, having no better time to have a child because I agree in terms of like. You know, maybe technological advancement, sure, but I think that there is somewhat of an air of pessimism, at least in our country, I think, that maybe hasn't always been there, at least in in recent generations, right, where I think, you know, you look at the baby boomer generations, and those guys knew their kids were going to have the best opportunities and a better life than they had, right? And I don't think that 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 knowing this is as is certain for us in the millennial generation as it was for them. So I'm curious, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Are you still optimistic about the future of the planet? I am optimistic. Um, but I do like, I agree. It's kind of like a pessimist, a pe- like a optimistic with a hint of, pes- of pessimism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, totally. just because of all the shit that's going on. And I agree with you, you know, when I say it's the best time right now to have a child or, you know, the best time to, to probably be in this country and then then in other countries when it comes to technology, it's probably not necessarily all around the world. Um, but where we stand, I think it is. And it's, there's a lot of scary stuff going on where, um, you know, you could take this in a ton of different ways where there's a lot of division. Um, but then there's also a lot of fear of war. There are wars going on. Um, Sometimes the technological aspect of it is actually the scariest aspect of it. When you look at like AI and stuff like that, you know, but I saw this thing posted the other day um, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but where if you think about, a, you, you know, maybe your great grandfather at this point, let's say they were born in 1910, you know, they probably wouldn't be alive now, you know, it'll make them 102 years old, but our 113, our hundred, oh geez, not 113 years old. Right. So maybe, but Okay, let's say they were born in 1910 or whatever, and, you know, um, so they're born, the First World War starts, then the Depression starts, the Second World War starts, the Korean War starts, the Vietnam War starts, um, the Cuban Missile Crisis happens, and they, you know, work, you, you, humans adapt and work through it all, even though you look at a lot of things that are going on right now. If you go back to looking at the depression, well, now we're worried about an, a, you know, another recession and who knows what could happen with that. And, you know, global economy, we're now worried about war. They saw world war two, which is, you know, millions upon millions of people, you know, were killed. And then you just keep going. Humans are very good at adapting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm kind of, pet- I'm kind of optimist. I'm sorry, you know, about, we need to adapt in a lot of ways <clears throat> Hopefully it happens sooner than later, um, but it also takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point you bring up. And there's that, that line that you uh, quote that I really love. I think you mentioned it on our first podcast, but about um, hard times make soft men or hard men or what, what you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. So um, uh, tough times make hard men, hard men, hard men make easy times, easy times make soft men, soft men um, make hard times. Yep. And, totally. And, and right now, um, and I, I, and that's not a, like I, you know, they might use, the word people or what, what, however they use it. But right now, unfortunately, I think that we're kind of in that part where um, easy times have created soft men and soft men are, mm. are creating hard times. I think that's, yeah. if you look at it, that's kind of where the cycle where we're at. And um, in no way am I saying that um, I'm a hard guy, but I think that like, you have to look at it where if you do realize that that's kind of the cycle that we're in, or you think that we're in the cycle, that that's the cycle we're in. You know, I think we have responsibilities to hope, help correct that and and then also hopefully instill in our children um, and the younger mm-hmm. generations the correct mm-hmm. pathways to do that. Now, I'm very, yeah. very early in those steps, right? So, hell, I'm just trying to figure it out as a parent. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm going to do my best. Totally. Yeah. And I'm curious to get your perspectives, you know, working in the education system, because from my outside perspectives, it seems to me that, you know, legislation like No Child Left Behind and then Common Core has has really damaged our education system and, and really kind of, I don't know, made it made it cookie cutter for everybody and, and made it all tailored towards standardized testing so that people aren't really learning to think independently, to think outside the box and that kind of stuff. So and that maybe this is, again, just me getting older and being like, oh, the good old days we learned. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe that's just a, a human thing to always be pessimistic. But I, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on what's going on in education. I mean, I think a lot of times um... – I'm kind of pessimistic about it somewhat also because I see just kind of what's going on, but then also the technological advances have enhanced education, but then also um, made it tougher. I mean, I was with a, with a kid mm-hmm. one day um, and he was having to sign something and he wrote his, his signature down. He printed out his name and I was like, what? No, sign it. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. teach cursive anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a really small thing. But then also, like, how many kids don't know how to um, address a, address an envelope? Like, that's that's there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on because of the technological advances. You've probably seen um, going around like these websites that you can literally just write in a topic that you're supposed to write an essay for. And in 15 seconds, it, it blurts out a 500 word essay for you. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's an, like it's an, it's insane, you know, Um I I look at it as the education system right now. I think there's there's a lot a lot of positives, and there are a lot of incredible people. A lot of whom I work with, which you know I'm very you know lucky to work with a lot of amazing people in the system, um, and a lot of amazing students. Um, but I I worry that when a lot of these students get out, they won't have the same skills that many people of our generation had or the generations before us. You know as simple as phone calls. Now you, you never, you never call anybody. It's all text messages. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like conversations, I remember back when I was dating and I'm, you know, you, you know, like you started, I remember when online dating was like frowned upon 
and then it became the only type of dating <laughs> to where like mm-hmm. if you approach someone in a bar or, or at a restaurant and said hey i'd love to buy you a drink or take you take you to dinner you could you sometimes you probably get a look where it's like wait did we match on tinder did we match on yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it's like no I'm, i see you right here i'd like i'd like to yeah i'd like to talk to you right now like in in, in, <laughs> in person and nowadays the kids just have all this stuff at their fingertip where they're able to talk about yeah. it and don't get me wrong I, I love the text message and all this type, that type of stuff and sometimes when someone leaves me a voicemail it's kind of like why'd you leave me a voicemail just like just text me and say or hey I, I actually you know i see that you called me on my phone you know yeah i kind of took that another direction um, I also wanted to like think, you know, what I wish they did teach in, in schools was, um, nowadays it's okay that you, if you don't go to college, mm-hmm. it's also great. If you go to a trade school, we need a lot of people in trades. Um, but then we also need, we need people to know how to change their own tires. Mm-hmm. We need people to know how to do their own taxes you know, finance wise, that type of stuff. And I was, a, I was a product of that. You know, when I started making money right out of college where you, you kind of don't have the value of it right away and, you know, you're making a lot of it and you're spending it, spending it, spending it. And, um, you know, I look back and say, like, man, I, if I would have learned at a younger age and don't get me wrong, it's probably on me, but at a younger age, the, the more value of it, they don't teach that. They don't teach that stuff much yeah. in high school, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a really great point you bring up about college, right? And, you know, no one wants to, obviously no one goes into college expecting not to graduate, but you look at how many people go and and don't graduate, but have incurred just tens of thousands of dollars of student loans. And that, you know, that sticks with you the rest of your life. And it's such a, um, it's such a crazy system that we force these young kids at, you know, and at the age of 18 to say, Hey, you have to go to college or you're not going to be successful and likely have to take out all these loans doing something. You're not really sure you're passionate about. You just, I don't know, thought maybe this would get you a good job or someone recommended it. Right. Like it's just, it's kind of a, it's, it's just a wild system. It's a really wild, wild system because when you're, I mean, hell, when I was 18 years old, I sure as shit didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I still sometimes don't know what I want to do with my life, you know, and we expect them to, you expect you to go to college, pick a major. That's going to be your career. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that, that's, that's so wrong. And then you, the thing you said about this, the debt, the debt piece, I know, you know, I listened to when you had Zach on and he talked about his brother, Ryan, they still have to pay his brother, Ryan's student debt. It's so it's so wrong. It's so wrong. And then nowadays, doctors, God, if you want to go to medical school, like the amount of student debt that you incur, and you would think you would think it would be the opposite, where it's like, hey, if you can qualify to be a a doctor and save people and or work on work in a lab and work on disease prevention and all that type of stuff, shouldn't we actually be paying them to go to college instead of taking money from them to teach them. It just, it it's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. And it shows how out of whack our priorities are. And you know, when teachers are making barely enough to pay the bills, right. Versus folks in finance are making tens of millions a year. Right. And it yeah. just, the, I, I, I think people, um, can take capitalism to the extreme, right? And think that, oh, well, you know, for profit is the way to make an economy work and it's the only way that's ever worked. And I don't know, man. I think there that there 
has been a trade-off to that structure that has really been lost in the conversation. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I look at it where, you know, right now we allow the people to make a lot of money to make a lot of money because there's a market for it. Like we, you know I mean? We, we create the market for them. Right. But, um, that doesn't mean that there isn't a market that we could create for the people like teachers, like first responders yeah. to make a lot more money. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and like it, it's, it's out there. We can, we can do it and people can, you know, I'm not saying that I have a written down plan for it. I certainly don't, Sure. but, but it's just like, I, it's hard not to believe that we couldn't make something work where there is. And, and by no means am I sitting here saying, Hey, let's go be, let's, let's, Let's turn it into a communist country. That in no sure. way, you know, that in no way is what I'm saying. Um, but I, but I just think that like, what is broken? Where, um, like you said, a teacher might have to go work a second job, whereas you know someone in finance could get a couple million dollars and a bonus check every yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it just shows that our government has just not known how to run a budget accordingly and they have placed our uh priorities in the wrong places right where again you know teachers can barely survive yet we've somehow got the highest cost of health insurance in the world we should have the best health rates but yet we're the we're the unhealthiest amongst industrialized nations right like there's a lot of things we spend so much on aerospace and defense right i think more more on military spending than the next 20 countries combined most of whom are our allies so it's just like how come I just, I just, I get, I get frustrated when I don't see more people taking a step back and just looking at the totality of the problem instead of trying to make these small, isolated, gradual changes here and there. Yeah. And it, a lot of it is like so many people look at, well, okay, we, we want the, the, the quick fix now and the quick, mm-hmm. the quick, um, the quick feeling of gratification, which I think you can kind of go to, okay, well, I'll just take this this drug that I see on that's advertised every single commercial because it's going to make me feel better like that. Well, you know, that pharmaceutical company is making money hand over fist. Why aren't we actually preaching, Hey, maybe go out and get 30 minutes of sunlight on a walk every day, you know, you know, and spending money towards, towards that, that message. I mean, Hell, fitness trainers don't make a lot of money. I'll tell you that right now. And if we maybe put more value on that, maybe they would. Maybe there'd be more people that would seek out, you know, that to go just get get healthier. Um, and it's just it's it's crazy where our money goes, and especially like in the pharmaceutical companies, the advertisements that you see, and then you know when you look at the military spending. Um, our military spending is crazy. Unfortunately, I think when you look at it, you know, the United States is kind of the police of the world where we're just thought of as if something's going on wrong in a country, we got to send you know, our aid there. I'm not saying I don't want to send aid to people in need, right? It's just like, it's tough when you look at the amount of spending that then we garner from, you know, the American people and then also to help out different countries and, um, it's just an astronomical number um, to where we have we have so many issues here at home. Right. Well, even think about Afghanistan, right? Like there's never any honest assessment of what did we accomplish, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And now 
well, we're not there anymore, and look who's in charge. You know, and and then now I think um, you know the, the the number I believe where that we've spent for Ukraine now has actually even surpassed the, all the years that we spent in Afghanistan. It's crazy, you know. Um, and and again, I'm not saying hey, don't go help the Ukrainian people or you know what have you. I but it's just like what a there's a lot of problems here in our own economy and at home and with hunger and all this type of stuff that it's just where a lot of this money could go to where it can make us a better country and maybe then in the long run we'd be able to actually help out yeah. people. Exactly. And I think what's tough is that for people, you know, the average taxpayer, right, when the numbers get so big that you kind of lose perspective of it, right? And, you know, here's another hundred billion because the Pentagon says we need it. And here's another hundred billion. It's like, okay. Meanwhile, 10 million of that to the education system could make a world of difference. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With so many, so many different programs and or just getting the right people in there. Or also, you, you know, you look at the you look at the funding of um, of law enforcement, I, you know, when when all the mm-hmm. when all the stuff about defund the police came out and all this type of stuff. Yeah. If you like, no, 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 no. Put the right funds to the police so we can give the right people the right type of training. Totally. Because we, we have we have people that are unequipped to handle these awful situations that they're put in every single day. Yeah. You, you know, and we hear about the bad ones because those are the ones that you hear about. But there are there are thousands upon thousands of interactions every single day with police officers and with first responders that you don't mm-hmm. hear about because guess what? Because they went well. Right. You know, um, but then there's there's all these different you know problems of of them put into really, really tough situations where maybe if they had the right training, you know, I look at it and um, I'm not, this is, you know, there's a lot to this, a lot more to this than what, what I would say, but you know, you, you look at how many mm-hmm. veterans are out there that have, that have done so many great things for our country and the name for, and for other countries. And um, then they come home and they can't find work and all this type of stuff. Exactly. Well, they've been through hell and back and in horrible situations, and maybe there are programs like this in place. I don't know, but you know, could what about like trying to find them to source them to help out with training, and to mm-hmm. where we can fund them to give them jobs and a feeling of purpose and all that type of stuff again? Because I know that that's that's where a lot of them, um, you know, I hear struggle where you know you, you don't they don't have a purpose anymore, and um, mm-hmm. you know when they when they get out because of all the horrors of war. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a perfect example you just bring up, right, is that we just kind of leave our veterans high and dry when they come back and don't give them the tools to integrate. And now I do think that people are taking notice and mental health is front and center on a lot of folks' minds. Yeah. And there's a lot of really interesting work being done with psychedelics and the like that that can really help with that. So it, it's, it seems like it's getting in the right place, but it's just it's it yeah. can be bad to me how um Powerful industries tend to get the time and money from our government and not individuals. Yeah, right. And 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 I I think in the right people and and they're all starting to get the starting. You're, like you said, you're starting to get the 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 right awareness of mm-hmm. using things that we used to thought of as um, the worst things on earth, like you know mm-hmm. of of the psychedelics and and but what they've done with with veterans and PTSD and. Uh, first responders that have PTSD uh, and like the microdosing therapies have done 
just incredible things. Mm -hmm. and it's 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 crazy to me that when you think about it, like we have those studies, we have that we have that information, but then there are still states and still local governments and still parts where they're like, no, nope, we're going to keep this person who yeah sold a little bit of weed. They're they're still going to be in prison. It's crazy, and like <laughs> I I. <clears throat> I read something about President Biden not too long ago, just about my frustrations with him, where like you look at during the debates for the presidential primary for the for the Dem Party, <clears throat> someone Cory Booker challenged him on cannabis policy and yeah. how nonsense it is that it's still a schedule one. And Biden's going off with all these equivocations like, oh, we need to do more medical research and see the long term effects, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, first off, because it's a schedule one, you can't do medical research. Right. That's the whole issue. And then fast forward to him being president in a few months, and it's like, oh, we've got this vaccine, and look, and uh, whatever, don't, not to get down that path, but just point yeah. is, this was a novel vaccine, a novel therapeutic type that we've never done before, and this was pushed right through the FDA. We got to get it going, going, going. So it's like, why is there will for that? Yet, meanwhile, we have 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's prison population, mostly because of nonviolent drug offenses. It's nonsense, man. It's, but then also look at like, Look at the opioid crisis, which is still a very, which is still a, a, like a, an extreme thing. You know, um, you know, I've, I've, I have a friend um, who I played football with in college that that I, I truly think, I truly think would probably still be alive today if it if instead of um, the the extreme prescription of pain meds and then getting hooked on it after playing. Um, yeah, what if it would have actually just been you know some um, some THC used to help ease the pain and that type of stuff. And um, it's just crazy that I do, you know, the, the true uses of what we're just not, we're not putting to, we're not putting to use the true therapeutic value yeah. of this, this drug that grows, mm. <laughs> you know, it grows in the ground and yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. And it's not even just that, like one of the things, and I, I'd love to get your perspective on this too, but like one of the things that drove me crazy during the pandemic was that all the focus was on stay inside, mask up, wait for the vaccine. No yeah. one was talking about, hey, maybe get healthy, work out, don't drink a bunch of booze, eat some vitamin D. Like what, where is the common sense from our regulators? Well, like that's, you know, that's what I, that's what I was, you know, trying to get out a little bit earlier when. Okay, but, you know, and then you, you turn on you turn on the TV, and if I wanted to watch a show, I I guarantee one of them, when a commercial came on, one of them was going to be from a pharmaceutical company about a drug, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where's the funding and the message and the money getting out to? Um, like you said, go get outside. Um, you know, they lock down all these gyms and close these gyms and and let people do that. Um, exercise eat a little, eat a little bit better. Um, it doesn't take a lot. You know, I have a little bit of, I have a little home gym here, um, at home. I don't even belong to a gym and literally I did a 25 minute workout. And for me, like a lot of times that's all it really takes is 20 minutes to 30 minutes to feel really, really good. And then have some vitamin D milk, you know, some whole milk after that or something like that, or, you know, um, make sure you're getting a lot, a lot of good whole foods, which unfortunately a lot of times the whole foods, it costs a lot more to go get that than it does to go get, you know, um, a burger and fries where you turn on the TV and it's, hey, it's a four for four deal where I can get a cheeseburger, a thing of fries, a large Coke, not a Diet Coke, a large Coke filled with sugar, um, 
you know, and another sandwich for four dollars. Right. So so I, I get that, you know, I get the families that have to go do that because it's un, it's unfair that, you know, they can't afford, you know, the whole foods. But that's a whole thing where that needs to be reversed. And. Like, don't tell me that can't happen. I get like, you know, um, and then there's this push for, you know, g- getting away from animal animal based foods and, and all this. And don't get me wrong. Factory farming is disgusting. It's disgusting. Um I don't see an end to it in the near future, but there are people out there who are doing it the right way, raising animals the right way, butchering them the the, the right way, um, and sourcing it out. Now that process now takes more; it's is more expensive because we're you know we we make it more expensive because as many people don't know about it and they don't use it because they want to go use the processed food and the cheap, um, you know, the, the cheap food that they can get. But if we if you look at if have you ever looked at the ingredients of if you if you like pick up like that impossible meat, you know, like the fake meat. If you're look if you if you ever go to the next time you go to score, look at look at the ingredients in there. And tell me if you can pronounce one of them. You know, because you're looking at all this processed stuff to make something taste like whereas if I just pick up a thing it just it's just 100 it's just 100% beef. <laughs> you, you know, or chicken or or turkey meat. Um I mean, I saw one thing where it was, it was literally comparing it to cat food or dog food, and you couldn't tell the difference. You know, and there's there's no message of how about let's go get healthier. You know what you don't see? You don't see a lot of old fat people. And there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not fat shaming or doing anything like that. But there's a reason you don't see a lot of old, overweight people. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think I saw a stat recently that they expect in the next 10 or 15 years. <clears throat> I can't remember the exact numbers and, and dates, but but regardless of something like 80% of the American population at some point soon is going to be either diabetic or pre-diabetic or obese. I mean, it's it's wild. And 80%. And, and you, know, you know what the cost of insulin is for people to go get insulin? It's insane. It's insane. Insane. Yeah. But then meanwhile, to your point, right, you even bring this up and you run the risk of saying, well, you're fat shaming. This is just my body type. And it's like, I don't know. It's It feels like our society, not only have we developed a very unhealthy relationship with food and, and what we call food, which, you know, is often more so, what's the term that I love? It's like... Um, Food type materials, right? Because it's just so processed. And to your point, they're all chemicals that you can't pronounce. You're like, what? What is this? Like, where did this grow? You know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, meanwhile, like we have this unhealthy relationship with food, but we've also created a society where, like, and again, like I don't want to ever body shame someone, but it's also like, why isn't the message, hey? You can get healthy. You have the power yourself to take control of your life, to feel healthy, to look great, to not be in pain all the time. Yet that's that's not the message that we seem to deliver. Yeah, and it's it's like if you if you're comfortable in your skin, that's fantastic. We like we want you to be in in like be happy, but just for like the longevity game, mm-hmm. there there are ways where you can just get healthier and at the end of the day feel better. And like a, a big one was, um, you remember when Adele lost all the weight? Uh huh. And she got like, people got people were mad at her for it. Like, wait a minute, it's this is the same person who decided that they want to go get healthy. Yeah. 
like, why does she have to stay where she was if she didn't feel good? Mm-hmm. You know, and now she probably feels better than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that there is a part of it. You know, I'm sure you've seen also the meme that goes around where, um, you know, it's an overweight uh, person. It looks like on a stair step or something like that. And it's like um, making fun of a, a a fat person at the gym is like making fun of a homeless person at a job fair, you know, yeah. um, or something like that. It's like, no, they're they're there to try to get better. And there is a there is unfortunately a culture at a, at gyms. And this type of stuff where um, if an overweight person's there for the first time or something, you know, they might get made fun of because they don't know how to use a certain machine or they don't look look good using a certain machine. But then again, OK, fund the right people and, and get get the right you know resources out there to um, teach these people the way to do things. And um, or like the the message of go buy a 35 pound kettlebell and find a small a piece of um, floor in your in your house or apartment or wherever or outside, even better, and learn how to do kettlebell swings and Turkish get-ups. Totally. And you learn how to do like things like that, just nice and simple. I guarantee you, you're going to feel better in one month and then go eat some whole foods instead of going and um, eating all the processed things. Um, or a big thing like that I'm working on actually is portion control. Mm-hmm. Because... I've always been someone that that's loved to just kind of eat a lot. You know, when I sit down, I go out, you know, like I look at a menu and it's like, I look at one single menu item, but then I'm like, ah, yeah, but you know, I'd like, I'd love to have a couple of different appetizers and stuff. And thanks, you know, thankfully I've always been someone who've, who works out a lot so I can burn some calories and stuff. But as you get older, your metabolism slows down, your testosterone level starts, starts lower, which is all, you know, part of, um, uh, burning fat and staying healthy and all that type of stuff. And now for me, especially, you know, I have a son, I have another one on the way where it's, I'm in the long, I'm in the longevity game. And if I, I thought, mm-hmm. I think like, if I think about this, if I, I kind of wish I would have thought about it sooner, but now it's like portion control instead of eating two appetizers and the meal, just get the meal and you feel so much better, mm-hmm. right? You just feel so much better instead of overeating. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's, you know, as you talk about just learning to do some simple movements with kettlebells and stuff like that, like for me, you know, I, I, I've seen it in my own life, right? Where, you know, I always just, I wasn't athletic growing up. I, you know, in college just didn't stay fit, right? And so just really felt like I was letting myself go as I was coming out of college and that kind of thing. So eventually I got into CrossFit, right? And like, that yeah. was a big, you know, challenge for me for sure, because it's so, it was so foreign to me. Like I'd never known how to lift weights and stuff, but it's like, once you get in the gym and keep forcing yourself to go and build that habit, number one, the habit starts to stick so quickly. And number two, I just, I just realized, frankly, I just, I think that the whole idea of genetic determinism is fundamentally flawed and Yet it's been used as this way to indoctrinate people that you're beholden to your genes. You can't take advantage of, you can't take your life back. You can't take your health back in your hands. So all you can do is just say, well, that's what I was born with sucks, you know? And it's like, no, that's victimhood. Like you can do so much. You just have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And then like you, you bring up a good thing. Like the one thing for sure that the CrossFit community did very, very well was, um, was create just that a community of a place where people can go and you learn these different movements. And I shit, I remember when you started working out and the first time I saw you, I was like, God sakes, Jordan. Like you dude, you're you're getting jacked, man. You know? And um 
and you feel so much better. Um, you know, I'm so, I'm someone who comes from you know the world of uh, you know football player, and you got to lift as heavy as po- heavy as you know, and you know all this type of stuff as as possible. And yeah, that's great, and I have no problem with that. And I'm glad I did it all. But now, like I said, in like like the longevity game and um, of just someone who has truly fallen in love with kettlebells and learn how to do kettlebell swings and Turkish get-ups. And those two movements will, I think, change your life. And there's a lot of different things that you can do with a kettlebell. I think it's, if you look at it, there's arguments to be made that it's the most versatile piece of equipment that you can buy. And you can go buy a cast iron 35 pound kettlebell at play it against sports or on Facebook marketplace or whatever. And there's your home gym, you you know, and there's so many different things that you can do. And thankfully, this is one thing where technology has helped us is follow kettlebell accounts on Instagram and you can get a new workout literally every single day. But just going back to the fundamental things, don't overcomplicate it. And too many people overcomplicate fitness um, and, you know, think that they have to do all these different things like like hell. Like if you started a challenge where. Um, one day you were just going to do kettlebell swings. One day you were just going to do Kirkus get ups, and you just flip flop those for for a month straight, and then you took two days off or a day off. Um, it would change your life. It would change your life. You know, and two movements a half hour a day. You know, uh, for, like for, for me, like my fitness journey now has turned it into that, but then also running because I suck at running. I suck at long distance running. And I love that I suck at it, but I'm really, really trying to get better at it. Um, you know, one of my goals for this year is to run um, a half marathon. And up to this point in time in my life, the longest I've ever ran is a 10K, uh, you know, 6.2 miles. I did one on Thanksgiving, not like a sponsored run. I just found a track at, in my neighborhood and just ran that. And holy shit, was it hard, but holy shit, did it feel good, you know? And I, I wish that more people would go out and seek that feeling of just go out, um, even if you're starting at such a, a low point in whatever your fitness journey is, if it's walking a half an hour and maybe incorporate some hills and in the sunlight, I'm telling you, okay, if that's where you're starting, do that every other day or four days a week for a month and tell me after that month you don't feel like a new person. Mm-hmm. But that message isn't shown in the mainstream whatsoever. Right. Because there's no money in it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's, a, and that's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's, it's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So running, I mean, how have you, and it's, I, I like that you bring up, almost that like you chose running because you didn't like it. Right. Because it's like, all right, here's something that I know I need to work on and I can get better and I will get better. And it's fun to overcome those challenges. Yeah. It's big for me. Um, I think we talked about this the first time I was on. And so I don't mean to repeat myself if you are, if, if you, you know, listen to that episode, but I, we were, I was literally sitting on our, on a couch one day with my wife and um, I said, you know what, let's go, let's go for a run. We ended up running a 5K that day. You know, my wife's done two mar- two marathons, a couple halves, um, and that type of stuff. And she, you know, she's always ran, and um, it's so challenging. A big thing for me is, you know, I had a, a pretty severe knee injury in college, and after my big knee surgery, uh, you know, they told me like 
running's probably out of the out of the picture for me in my future and even like things like playing basketball and stuff and you know I, I respect the hell out of the doctor that that did my surgery and all that type of stuff and in no way is this an indictment toward what he said to me but i kind of just thought okay well no you know, you, you, you know, and I know this is way longer down in life now. I mean, that was back in my early 20s. Now, I'm, you know, I'm 34. And, but for some reason, I just always think about that of, you know, you shouldn't run. Well, I think if I've, you know, I adapt, the human body is pretty incredible. And you lose some weight, you eat better, which when you start to eat better, your body feels better. So my knee feels I can tell the difference from a weekend of if I kind of went up, go off the rails a little bit and um, change my diet versus a weekend. Um, and the reason I chose a weekend is because it's just literally two days or a weekend where I stay pretty damn clean on my diet. That Monday, my body feels completely different. You know, and, and I, I want people to realize that. And when you go back to running and the challenge that that has brought me, man, um, I think I said this phrase on the first one of find your hill. Like every time I get to a hill, it's like, well, you know, fuck this thing. I'm going to get to the top of it. Big or small, whatever it is, you know, find your hill. And it's just made, it's made me feel so much better and running, running now it, there's such thing as a runner's high. There really, really is. Yeah. Where you're just, you find that groove and you're just kind of one with, you know, the, the, nature that you're running through but that or but then also like afterwards like i've never i've never gone for a run or i've never worked out really and then thought afterwards god i wish i didn't do that yeah totally <laughs> you know what i mean like it's no it's always like oh shit like i i feel really good and i'm ready to tackle whatever the next next task is in my, in my day yeah yeah even if I, I totally agree even if that's being lazy for the rest of the day you feel, mm-hmm. you feel, you feel better, you know, about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you found any good ways to motivate folks who maybe just want to start working out, just don't know how to make that first move or kind of get over the, the initial fear or, or, you know, social criticism, whatever it may be. Yeah. I, th- I think a really good way is to find a really good partner to help you with it. Um, find, find, find someone, uh, Either a who's 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 done it or who you know who does it and um, is in really good shape and is wants to take you kind of on that journey with them or find someone that is also starting out just like you. Having that community, um, you know, going back to running with me, you know, my my wife is a big motivator for me when it comes to running because she's done the marathon. You know, she's ran the marathons, and I remember when I ran my ten k, like I got about halfway through, she was at home, kind of. I guess probably, you know, keeping track of probably where she thought I was in the the running and about three miles in, I looked down at my watch because I got a text message from her saying like, you know, you can do this, like keep it up and that type of stuff. That, um, that sense of community, whether it's one person, two people, three people, whatever, that can help you is really great. But then I also think that motivation, you got to find it, um, you got to find it from the outside, but you got to really find it within. And just remember that message of after you get it done, you're not going to regret it. And once you keep doing it and it turns into a habit, you'll start to change as a person for the better and just be a lot healthier um, and just feel better. And it's just that initial, that initial 
start of, of getting started. And that's where you can think of, you know, find, find your hill, which for some people is literally just getting out of bed. You know, get out of bed, go to do it or get in your car, go to the gym. And once you get to the gym, even if it's just walk on a treadmill for a half hour, hey, it's a start and you're going to yep. feel better. Yep. Yeah. And I like what you bring up about community. I think for me, like that's, that's why CrossFit was so effective for me. It was just like having the, the, not only the trainer there to show you how to do all the movements that was huge, obviously, because I didn't know how to do them before, but also just like the, the group dynamics. I think when you're all working out together, even if it is a bit competitive, like it's still, I don't know, if you feed off that energy, you push yourself harder than you would if you didn't have other people there. So I think, you know, and, and, and I know even CrossFit, like that can be intense for folks who haven't worked out before, but even, you know, yoga or something like that, oh, right? Yeah. It's just get, getting that group environment, a set time, a teacher who's showing you what to do. Like it can make all the difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I got into hot yoga with, with my wife a few, a couple of years ago and holy crap, did I suck at that? <laughs> you know, um, but I think a big thing of it, you know, going back to motivation when you're first starting out also, and if, you know, maybe if you're a little overweight, don't, don't tell yourself negatively all these bad things of like, wow, I'm just, I'm just too overweight and I, I just, I just can't do this. No, like self, the positive self-talk is talk is a really big thing of, no, I, I am going to do this or I'm going to modify it to a point of where I can do it. You know, when I, when I used to be in training um, and, it, you know, as a strength coach or a personal trainer, and I try to get people to teach, you know, teach people how to do pull-ups and there's ways you can modify to do pull-ups, but everyone was like, well, how do I get better at pull-ups? You do pull-ups. You try, you like, like, like you, tr you try to do pull-ups and there's ways you can modify it from an inverted road to a machine road to a band or, you know, whatever, but you just, you, you, do them. You don't tell yourself, no, I can't, I can't do a pull-up. If you just keep telling yourself, I can't do a pull-up, you're probably never going to do a pull-up. But holy shit, when I had clients that couldn't do pull-ups, and then all of a sudden they were starting to do one pull-up, guess what came next? Two pull-ups, and then three, and you know, their bodies change, but then also their mindset changes. And a pull-up and a push-up are really good things to think about when it comes to that, because let me tell you, when it comes to a push-up, that's one thing, you know, when I was a strength coach, especially for like high school football players, or when, when I went back, actually, you know, we can take it back when I was in college. At the end of a workout, we would do these things where our, if our strength coach said, everybody, you know, get, get in your push-up rows. And we're like, oh, shit, like we got to do perfect push-ups. 15 perfect push-ups all was. 15. Okay. If you're a divisional football player all the way down to a high school football player, I think you can make the argument that you should be able to do 15 push-ups. Okay? Or even 10 push-ups, whatever it is. But if one person like didn't have their head in the right position, they looked down, they went down when they weren't supposed to, their butt came up, they started to arch their back. Well, you start over. You start over and you start you end up doing um way more than push-ups than just 15 push-ups whereas if you just get in your mindset, I can do 15 push-ups, you know, it's just 15 push-ups. And for people that are just starting out to do push-ups, don't be afraid. I hate, I hate the phrase girl push-ups. Call them modified push-ups then because that's what they are is they're modified push-ups. Sit on your knees and do push-ups. And then put your arms on a bench, put your hands on a bench and do, um, do decline, you know, incline push-ups. 
And before you know it, you're going to be able to do real push-ups. It just takes time. It's that it's that uh, will to keep going and to keep improving. Yep. Yeah. That that's beautifully put. Yeah, it, and, and push-ups and pull-ups are are they're freaking hard. But once you can start mm-hmm. doing them, you start feeling a lot better. Yeah, and like kettlebells, I mean they're so versatile. I mean push-ups, I guess you need a bar, but even still, like they just or not push-ups, pull-ups. Yeah. But you know, regardless, you can do them pretty much anywhere, and they're just such a good workout. Oh, they're and I mean hell, start doing Turkish, start doing Turkish get-ups, and like I started doing Turkish get-ups with a twenty-pound kettlebell. I'm a pretty strong guy, you know, but when you start doing Turkish get-ups, 20 pounds will humble you real quick. And um, being able to start moving around with a kettlebell that's that's heavier and do things. You know, I saw this one thing where it's don't let the kettlebell control you. Always remember that you need to control the kettlebell. Because there are a lot of different movements, like especially swings, that you can let the kettlebell control you, you know. Um you got to just learn to control the kettlebell. And once you do that, especially with get-ups and, and swings, um, I mean, you'll just you'll see yourself change uh, physically and mentally and yeah. positively. Yep, yeah. totally. Now, one of the things that I've started to recognize is that I think a lot of, you know, the high-intensity high um, circuit training I was doing, you know, I was really limiting myself by my breath work. And that I was using my mouth way too much, breathing too heavily and all that. So I'm curious to get your thoughts. Like what, what, what's your views on breath overall and what's the most effective way during a workout to, to emphasize your breathing? Well, I mean, a lot of it is based on what fitness level you're at, right? Um, what, what, what's called your VO2 max, which is essentially how much oxygen you can take in per breath. Um, and the people who are in better shape can take in more oxygen per, per breath. Right. And they can so that that way they can take less breaths when they're when they're working out. But, um, you know, you hear the old um, inhale on the way down, exhale on the way up. Or if you're if you're looking at a squat or a bench press, inhale and then exhale when you're pushing it up. But there's also a thing called the Valsalva remo- uh, uh, maneuver where you actually engage and hold your breath in. If you're lifting really heavy just to stabilize your core like it's, it's used on squats. So it depends on what exercise you're doing, um, but breath work, a lot of it can be improved and get better, not during exercise, maybe do- during med- meditation. Um, it's crazy. Sit down and just do 20 really big inhales, nice and slowly, and tell me you don't feel better after doing those 20. Like you'll feel different. You know, and get your body used to really taking in a lot of good oxygen. And then that'll start translating towards towards exercise where um, you can intake a ton of oxygen and you just are able to do more output than um, during work, um, you know, during your exercise, during a run, what have you. Don't try to push it to where you're to the point. There's. I shouldn't say there are points in a workout where I think it's it can be valuable to where, yeah, like your heart rate is so high and you're working your ass off and you can barely breathe. I don't want to say barely breathe, but you're just pushing through it and it's a really, really short burst. Right. But you want to be able to try and find like, you know, what's my target heart rate of. I can't really have a conversation, but I'm not going to pass out. You know. 
Um, yeah, breath breath work. A good way to practice breath work: hop in the shower when it's really cold. Take a really cold shower for a minute to three minutes, and do those really deep breaths. Like I used to hop in the you know a really cold shower and do twenty to twenty five really deep breaths. One, you start to forget about how cold cold the water is. Um, so you that oxygen and you're you know working with your breath starts to heat up your body, but then it just kind of like clears you out a little bit. What do you think is the benefit of the cold water? Um, one benefit I think is mentally it's tough. <laughs> you know when you when you turn on that cold water and you stick your hand on it, and you're like, oh shit, I'm not stepping in that. You know, um, but then getting in and doing it and realizing it's not going to hurt you. You know, um, like, like you're not going to, like, you just got to kind of withstand it. But then, you know, there's a lot, there's studies out there of what it does to, um, what it does to your muscles, what it does to your breathing, of forcing your, you know, your heart to work a little bit differently. Um, but then there's also studies of making sure that you do it at the right time. Like, you know, there's studies out there right now saying if you do it right after a workout, it actually um, can impair hypertrophy, which is muscle growth. Hmm. So, like, if I have, you know, you have a really big workout, you might not want to hop into a cold shower right away. You might want to wait two hours. Or you might want to take a cold shower before you work out. That makes sense. Yeah. Or do- yeah, because we do know that, you know, cold water can make things smaller. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> it can. You know, but, but then you, you think about it, like, so cold water, okay, uh, you know, it, it makes your, you know, muscles shrink because of how cold it is and your body gets real tense and all and all that right where if um if i'm after i work out you want to you want your blood to be flowing to those muscle muscles um and cold water can kind of hinder it there's and don't there's positives of warm showers also there's just like there's just like there's positives of of getting into a, a sauna and um and you know uh getting those great heat shock proteins and eliminating toxins from the body and and sweating like crazy. Um, sweat's a really great thing. It doesn't always mean that when you sweat, like if you sweat a ton, that you had a good workout or didn't have a good workout. Um, you know, a lot of people gauge things on that, but that does that's not necessarily how you want to gauge. Um, but I think there's there's benefits to both cold showers, warm showers. I think there's a benefit to just going out and first thing in the morning. Yeah, it depends on depend on where you live, but if it's cold outside, just getting outside for ten minutes. You know, putting off that first cup of coffee until you've had a full glass of water, and maybe actually giving your chance to yourself a chance to wake up a little bit. Um, and I love a cup of coffee. I mean, hell, I was drinking one just now as we were you know doing this podcast. But don't. Um, don't take away the benefits of stuff that's natural around you versus just in, ingesting the coffee and the caffeine right away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think people often use that as a, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a shortcut in a sense, right? It's like if you focused on going to bed at the same time and getting eight hours, and I know that's not always easy for folks, especially you got kids and all that, but it's just like that instead of coffee is going to make such a world of difference. And it's like, And I think it, again, gets back to culturally, right? Like even people who do work out, a lot of times it's, 
it's almost taken to an obsessive or an extreme where you got to work out all the time and you got to be go, 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 where it's like actually if you did it in a much more balanced way where you're getting good rest, you're med meditating and like and you're doing good solid workouts consistently, like that's going to put you in a much better spot for the long game than if you just try to, you know, burn yourself to the ground as, as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, you, you got you got to make sure that, uh, you know, some people are so obsessed with exercise and I've probably been, you know, that point at some, I'm not, I'm not really necessarily anymore, but because just because I've learned the value of, of rest and the, the best performance enhancer is sleep, you know, um, and a lot of my guys that I've coached or trained and guys that I used to play with, even, you know, you try to get in certain extra workouts sometimes when your body actually was a little bit tired, maybe you didn't have a great night, night of sleep where, you know, your muscles would probably actually be a lot better off if maybe you did take that day off or you just did a little bit of light stretching that day um, to let them repair instead of just breaking them down again because and you didn't get enough sleep. Right. And look, I get that sleep's hard, but I think a lot of that, you know, it goes back to the technology piece we were talking about earlier. It's hard to put down that phone when you first land down in bed or it's hard to turn off that TV, you know? Um, and it, if you, if, and I'm not, I'm certainly not the best at that. That's for damn sure. I mean, I, I remember last night I was laying in bed. I couldn't fall asleep. And sure enough, you know, I'm sitting there looking at stupid shit on my phone, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, there's a lot of times too, when I, I sit there, I think about, oh, wait, wait a minute, I need to just put this down and I'm starting to get better at it where you put it down, that you turn the TV off. I used to fall asleep with the TV on all the time. Now I have a hard time falling asleep with it on because I want it to just be quiet and even if I'm not quite falling asleep, it's almost a form of meditation where I'm sitting there laying down, my eyes are closed and you just kind of think about, you know, maybe what you're going to do the next day. A big thing for me that helps me get motivated because I like to work out on my own mostly is when I, when I start to fall asleep, <laughs> this is going to be sound like such a meathead thing, but I fall asleep a lot of times thinking about the workout plan that I'm going to do the next day. Like, Today, the workout that I did this morning, I planned out last night to help me fall asleep. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting what you're saying about um, you feel like you're in a meditative state while, as you're going to sleep because what's one of the things um, that the Vedic philosophy is taught too is that you're almost like when you're transitioning from that waking to the sleeping state, whenever you're at one of those juncture points and same as you're coming out of it when you're waking up, is that... Uh, the boundaries in between different states of consciousness are almost more flimsy in a sense. So it's, it's also easier to get into like a transcendental consciousness state and meditate as you're, as you're drifting off to sleep as well. So that, that is really interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it does kind of like, it just, it's, it's calming for me. And I think if a lot of people just kind of thought, cause a lot of times, right. What happens, you know, you can't fall asleep. Um, so you might fall asleep because you were on your phone and then, um, you don't get great sleep and then you wake up and you're kind of frantic about what you have to do the next day, right? Like, oh shit, like, okay, I got to get to, got to get this done before I get to work or, you know, whatever, this, that, and that. Where what I have found for me and exercise is a big part of it is if I fall asleep calmly thinking about how I'm going to tackle that workout, my day is just set up so much better. And I wake up a little bit calmer. You know, and it's it's not I don't wake up with that anxiousness of shit. I didn't prepare for, you know, what I need to do. It's one less thing off your plate of, hey, I 
I don't need to plan this out because I I did. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Totally. And I want to ask you about the mental toughness aspect of working out. You mentioned that with regards to cold showers. And I think that's one of the biggest things I learned as, you know, I got more into working out was that the physical aspect of it, while that's that's obviously a, a huge element and very important, I, I, I think almost more than anything, the mental toughness is is the most challenging piece of working out and also what you can develop that's most beneficial for the rest of your life. How do you feel about all that? I think the mental aspect is, is harder than the physical aspect of it, especially when you're doing something that you've never done before. Um, a big thing about the mental aspect of it is letting yourself be humbled. You know, a lot of people don't make um, a lot of people don't make progress in the gym. And I'll use the bench press as the example, just because it's America's favorite lift. I, don't, I rarely bench press anymore, but um, I've seen this a lot where for some reason, you know, you, you set up the bar, you put the 45s on. So it's 135. And then you feel like you got to go right, right to 225. And then you feel like you got to put 25s on. So you go to 275. What about all that weight in between about like let yourself be humbled with a warm up and be mentally tough enough to use lower weight and warm up correctly. A lot of people aren't mentally tough enough to actually do a warm up before they work out because they want to get right to the big lift or, you know, the, the, the big part of the workout. Um, it doesn't take that long to warm up. And it's, it's, it's so important. And, you know, I think a lot of it is, is making sure that like, you're not doing the wrong, you're not doing the wrong weight. A lot of times people, and I use that as an example, because a lot of times you'll see people jump and weight up and then all of a sudden their form goes to shit. Um, you, you increase the risk of injury, be mentally tough enough to understand your body, um, especially in a new exercise of what, of the weight and the way that you should do it. And then also the mental aspect of pushing yourself to a point where you didn't think you would be able to push yourself before. And the last set of an exercise, a lot of times, a lot of times, like I'll have set and reps um, planned out, but then the last set, I'll be like, no, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to, I'm going to actually, instead of, if I only have, we're supposed to do five reps, I'm going to do 10 reps. You might not get to 10, um, but just pushing past that five, even if you only got six even if you only got seven of them, the mental aspect of knowing, okay, actually, I, I had a little bit left in the tank and I used it is really good. Um, that one more rep mentality is really good. You know, David Goggins has a, has a quote. Um, we talked about him on our first podcast. He's a great, great way to get motivated also that when your body tells you you're done or when your mind tells you you're done, you're actually only 40% done. You know, and look, 40% is probably an arbitrary number. Like it, it probably changes for everybody, right? But usually you can push yourself a little bit. And I used to always tell my athletes um, or my clients, you know, I'm never going to make you do something, A, that I haven't done, or B, that you can't do. You might think that you can't, but the mental toughness to get past it and then do it and then afterwards, you just think like, holy shit, I just did that. You know, um, and the mental toughness varies for a lot of people. I think some people are, are um, I don't know if you're born with it or if it's how you're raised or what you 
take in as you're younger or you know what um but there are ways i i do think you can you can grow with mental toughness and train your mind to get tougher and tougher you know as you go and working out's a really good way to do that because you start to break break your physical boundaries and when you break your physical boundaries your mind is able to adapt and, and start to then tell yourself okay we can push a little bit further we can do a little bit more um and then all takes you know plays a part in it but the t- but the mental aspect of it is really big and that, that might be as simple as be mentally tough enough to wake up in the morning and not hit snooze you know um and I, trust me by no means am i the first one to say that that that's that get that kind of phrase like gets thrown around all the time um that you see but if you're mentally tough enough just to pop up and not hit snooze and then walk around the house a little bit you're gonna wake up totally you know that's what i love about like how jock is always posting his his watch at 4 30 in the morning yeah dude i mean he that's another one you know he's yeah, i think it is him actually who um who like says like give yourself i don't know the exact seconds but give yourself 18 seconds to get out of bed and once you're once you're up like you know you're you're gonna be up and you're gonna feel good and you're and it, like that just it just takes about just takes about 18 seconds yeah and it might be 19 or whatever whatever it says but it's something like that and uh and it's tr- it's it's true it really is true you know mm-hmm. um and that little part of that little mental toughness uh it helps you grow as a person and there's a lot of things when it comes to your job or once you have once you have once you start having kids just like you know I'd love to just lay down on this couch and not worry about Mm. something different but well no you know it changes a little bit and i'm not saying not saying that that's like a big piece of mental toughness but a little bit of it is when you're when you're a new parent and it's a brand new thing and um hey you 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 gotta change yourself mentally a little bit Mm -hmm. totally and and i think the um importance of schedule and habit can't be understated right and you know obviously when you've got a young kid who sleep schedules all over the place and it's changing all the time, like to, to stick to your own consistent schedule, I'm sure it gets a lot more challenging. It gets a lot more challenging and it, and it changes a lot. And, you know, I, by no means am the best example. Um, you know, I've tried to work on my mental toughness and I think I still have a long way to go in that journey of a lot of these different things of, of, uh, um, working on my schedule and making sure that it works for my son, making sure that it works for my wife. Um, and I don't know if you know. I don't know if anyone or who who does ever perfects it, but working at it until you you know you, you do kind of like in the seven months that we've had him, we got a nice little routine now where we kind of know. Okay, it's getting to the point where you know he might get a little fussy right now. You get through it, go to bed, and then you have you know your time. Um, and once you realize it's you're gonna get that. Because at the beginning, I remember when we first brought him home, and there's no schedule when you first bring him home. <laughs> you, you know, like it's it can get it can get pretty hectic. It's hard to see when it's not going to be like that. But in reality, now when you look back on it, it wasn't that long in time. You're you know you're talking about if you're really lucky, probably a few days. You know, for us, a few weeks, and you know, and there's going to be hit, bumps and hiccups in the road and all that stuff. Um, you just kind of start to settle in and 
for anybody, if you have kids or you don't have kids, I, I remember just my professional life and my personal life was always a lot better or, you know, just felt more in control when I did have that schedule or know what I was going to do when I planned out things. Dude, preparation can't be understated enough. Or, I mean, it is too understated. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Preparation is don't, don't, uh, don't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, you just feel better. You do. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't and even, I even, and I wasn't even a boy scout. Isn't that a boy scout thing? Like always be prepared or something like that. I think that is. It makes sense. <laughs> Matt would know. Yeah, Matt would know. Matt would know. Yeah. But it's funny you say that too, because I even find like if I'm going to the gym and I'm like running late, right, and and like kind of flustered, like then I'm just not not in as good of a mental state as if I get there, you know, a little early. I'm like in my space and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, dude. Being on time, like. If you're running late to a meeting or something like that, holy shit, like my heart rate races and, you know, you, I mean, I still, like every now and then I'll have this weird dream where I'm getting ready to go be, like play a football game and for some reason I can't find my shoulder pads or I can't, I can't, like I look down and my cleats don't have laces in them, you, you know, and um, I get like anxious about it and I'm, I'm going to, cause I'm going to be late and um, all this, but then, you know, in the real world or if I was ever running late to a meeting and stuff, the difference of showing up on time or even a little bit early. Oh my God. It, it makes the world a difference mentally. And then also just, I think you also can kind of have that extra time. Let's if you show up five minutes early, like you said, then you know, you have, the, you have that extra five minutes. Maybe you can do a quick minute meditation or just minute um, self-reflection of, okay, here's the uh the goal of of what what we're going to do next and here's how we're going to do it yeah yeah totally yeah um i wanted to go back to something we were touching on earlier um with regards to education i'd be curious to get your thoughts on what do you think the net benefits are to kids these days with technology and you know phones and computers and that like i think there's clearly the benefits that you can see is you know with covid and for for that kind of thing like you can do virtual work and they now have more access to books and that kind of and resources they didn't used to have. Obviously, I think on the flip side, social media, as we all know, has a lot of social has a lot of destructive tendencies. And I think there's a general feeling that maybe kids today are more are both more conceited and more self conscious than they used to be. So, would be curious to get your thoughts on all of that. One thing that I see that's that's that sucks is um, you know now because of all the phones and the technology, the Instagrams, Twitters, all the different pages that someone can have, um, bullying and like, uh, finding out, like I, I see it, I see it from, unfortunately, you know, our, our students and, but then, you know, other students before we're getting ready to play a game, those students or our students do research on the other team and it's all out there. And then you, and you can get really personal with it. And now trash talk doesn't just happen the day of the game. It happens a week before. And I'm not saying trash talk is all bad, like on the field, like, you know, I've said some shit on the field or whatever, you know, I was never a big trash talker, but, and I've heard some things, but now if it's a week before and it's super personal, it just makes for an even more hostile environment of when the, when the game does come. Um, That's taking it away kind of a little bit from education. I just kind of thought of that first, but when you look at actually like in school, you know what's crazy is because there's still the 
I still see like the math problems where it says like show your work, right? Well, kids nowadays, guess what? You can plug that equation into your phone, which every one of them has, and gets the answer. But I do think there is value to actually knowing how to do the work. But the problem is, like, have you ever seen that meme where it's like, I'm so glad um, I learned, I forget which math equation it is, this and math, because it really came in ha- handy come tax season. Yeah, it's like the Pythagorean <laughs> theorem or something exactly. like that. Right, yeah, something like that. Um, That's funny. So I think you have to find the right balance, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, but there, I think there's, there's still... Uh, um, benefit to doing it the old way just to get your mind working but then there's also okay don't we because we have this technology we need to make sure that kids understand it and know how to use it because it's not going anywhere you know um and you know nowadays in classrooms they have policies where hey you know put your phone in a little pocket that's like it's like you know those shoe racks that you see in the back of closets where you put shoes in. In you know, well now they have like the cell phone ones that they put on the back of the door in the classroom. You put your cell phone in when you when you get in the class, and then sometimes like then maybe they'll take out like a regular calculator, and um, which is just it's funny because well the best calculator is, is in that computer that you just hung up on the door. <laughs> um, you got to find the right balance, and I think a lot of teachers do a really really good job at that. But I mean, it's it's really hard. And nowadays, nowadays too, you have to worry about telling a kid, "Hey, I'm taking your phone." You like sometimes you can get in trouble for that because of privacy, right? And um, so some some classrooms it's optional to put your phone up or not put your phone up. Um, you gotta really you gotta find that balance, and it's really tough. Yeah. It's really tough. There's obviously a benefit to technology and our our students using it. Um, but now we're starting to see because of technology, because of the wealth of information, um, because of things like YouTube and, and all this type of stuff of, of learning different classes and everything. Well, it's starting to get take away from colleges, right? At some point, you got to think it's probably going to start to take away from high schools if it hasn't already. Um, I, th- I I think that in the not so distant future, you're looking at a very different education system. Yeah. And I think that if it's done right, that can be a good thing. And yeah. and I even think, you know, back to our college discussion, and I don't wanna I don't want to disparage my college experience by any means because I, I learned a lot. I had a great experience, uh, you know, all all those things. But as I just think about, you know, getting into the workforce and then having the ability with Amazon to order any book that I want, right? I just, I've found that reading books that interest you, you can, and, and are written by people super successful in their field is much more beneficial, frankly, than, than reading these super dense textbooks around super specific topic areas that aren't necessarily going to be applicable to whatever you're doing in the workforce. Right. Right. And I think that it's good to like, you you do at a young age you get exposed to all these different things that probably won't be applicable to what you do in the in the workforce to, to find out exactly what you want to do, um, but then it goes back into why then at eighteen years old are we telling a kid you got to pick a major? Yeah, yeah, take out forty k of student loans for year one. Shit, if you're lucky. Nowadays, 
I mean, there are schools out there now that are $75,000 a year. Even more than that, a hundred something thousand dollars a year. There are, I mean, and then there are private schools, like private high schools and stuff that are $30,000 a year, you know, with a teacher who's making 35. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's, it's going to be really hard to find the right balance. But I just think that at some point in time, we're looking at a different education system. Um, and I think that. Look, I don't have the answer for it, but, you know, I think some people, I'm optimistic that the right people and very smart people um, will. And uh, I, I I would guess that by the time that my son is my age, his college experience or lack thereof is going to be a lot different than what mine was when I was 18 to 23 years old. Yeah, I bet you're right. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. It, it's really crazy to think about, you know. I mean, look at the di- – look at how – the first iPhone came out, what, 2007? Something like that. Look at it now. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's more powerful than this laptop that I'm using right now for this podcast. Yeah. I think I've heard a crazy stat that, like, more people in Africa have cell phones than have access to running water and something nuts like that. That's insane. Yeah. I'm probably butchering it, but you get the idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. I get the idea. Yeah. Like, that's... That's really, really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not going anywhere. And it's only going to continue. It is. And I think that the net benefits are going to be, are going to outweigh the good in the long run. But I think there is certainly, like like any new technology, right? There is friction in the kind of interim phases. And you see actors that are more concerned about you know generating revenues than they are about the well-being of people right and that's why companies like instagram and facebook are all about how literally how can i addict you to my platform and keep your eyeballs focused here all the time like it's certainly not a talk like a a healthy behavior that we should be instilling in kids no it's not (laughs) and and companies are so smart and the algorithms that they use to make sure that we continue to look at these things is insane I mean, I saw like a buddy of mine sent me a, a tweet um, that and the tweet was from. I think it was from Fox or maybe CNN, one of the big news outlets. OK. Um, and it was Leonardo DiCaprio is spotted surrounded by a bunch of bikini clad women on a yacht. And I thought, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why is that Leonardo DiCaprio? Why, why is that a headline? Like, yeah. like for like for me, if you were to ask if you were to ask me, hey, what do you think Leonardo DiCaprio is doing right now? It would take me two guesses. It would be he's either probably working on a movie or he's probably on a yacht surrounded by a bunch of hot women in a bikini. <laughs> but but because it's Leonardo DiCaprio and because it's a bunch of bikini clad women and it's because because they're on a yacht, people are going to open up that tweet mm-hmm. and then just continue to look for different different tweets like that or see different tweets like that pop up. And it's like it's a, it was just insane to me that a major news outlet is tweeting that. It's like, well, yeah, of course he is. Yeah. That's <laughs> all you got to say. Like, what do you think he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much of just like that type of 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 content out there which just makes you addicted because then you think man if i could be like leonardo dicaprio i could be yeah. on a lot surrounded by all these people 
And it's really, it's really great to, it is really great to dream and have the high hopes and the dreams like that. Um, but you look at what social media, I saw this thing. Um, it was a group of students that started using, that did a, did an experiment on God, was it depression rates or something or some like happiness levels. Maybe they created a survey or whatever after a certain number of them went back to using flip phones Mm. and like their happiness all increased. Interesting. Yeah. I'm probably butchering the the study and I'd like to find it, but it, um, but that's really interesting. And it it would also be interesting to, it would also be interesting to see. I I wonder what like the impact is of um, capacity to learn new things and capacity to think about other things if you're not being distracted by that. And I think that there's a big, I think there's a big discussion there of not being obsessed with the things that you can find on your phone Mm and, um, and on the internet. If you don't worry about those distractions, what else you could be doing, but Holy shit, are these companies really good at making sure that you find these distractions? And before you know it, if you're sitting there looking at your phone and it's, you know, 1145 in the morning, before you know it, it's twelve. It's twelve forty-five in the afternoon, and you've been doing it for an hour. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I've definitely noticed. It's interesting you say that. Like when I, the times I've forced myself to just get off social media, I've, I've definitely noticed a improvement in my happiness. Without a doubt. Like I, I don't. I'm. I. I think I have a Facebook page out there somewhere, but I don't use it. Um. And I'm really glad I don't. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about Facebook or whatever, but for for me, like I have an Instagram and I pro- I'm probably on it too much. Um, I don't really use my Twitter much, but I, I've thought about and I've tried to like make sure you're following the right pages when you're on there, looking at things that maybe actually do help you out or because there is good content, you know, there really, really is. But then I look at like some people that like are posting these things and some of it's like personal stuff about their children or about people they know. And I'm just like, God, like you're living behind this screen on this website and none of it's real, none of it's real life and just looking for attention and how addicted are you to it of every single day and how much time versus what you could be doing, you know? I don't have the answer for that. But it's just something to think about. Hey, you know, it's January 4th. A lot of people are going to have a lot of good New New Year's resolutions. And most New Year's resolutions don't last very long. Um, But if maybe that if that's one that I can think about and for self-improvement would it would probably be to read more instead of have as much screen time. Yeah. 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 Because you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where. You're like, oh, I don't have 20 minutes a day to read or whatever. But then you think about all the times you just get stuck scrolling on your phone and how that can really add up. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, Jeff, man, this has been so much fun as always, man. Love love chatting with you and glad we were able to uh, recoup our our failed holiday recording attempt. (laughs) I have too, man. I have too. I'm I'm sorry that it kind of took that little turn right there of of like uh, thinking about too much on the, on your phone, but I just, I'm glad that we had the conversation. I think people and more and more people need to keep having that conversation. Um, but this was, uh, this was fun. I'd love to do it again, whenever. And, um, hopefully we can figure it out. So the next time we're together in person, we can do it. But, uh, but yeah, man, like, like I said, at the beginning of this, I keep doing what you're doing. Um, super proud, 
proud of you for doing all this. And I just, just congratulations. Cause I think your platform and, and what you're doing, I think it's going to grow. And um, I really hope that people take the time to listen to what you're putting out. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's feeling like it's gotten great traction so far. And I've, I've really had so much fun getting to have you on the show now three times and really appreciate you sharing your insights. Everyone who's listened to your prior interviews has told me that just, you know, your, your inspiration to people to, to helping them figure out, you know, what they can truly be right. And going out and finding that hill. I know it's, it's meant a lot to people and I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your insights, man. I appreciate that. And I, I do also hope that people understand that, you know, um, me saying this stuff, it's still like, I'm trying, I'm working on it also, you know, I'm by, by, by no means. am am I someone, uh, that's got it figured out? I'll tell you that, <laughs> but, but we're all, we're, but we're all trying and we can all learn from each other. Absolutely. Awesome, brother. Well, I love you. Have a great one. Give, give Nelson and Kayla my love. For sure. Thanks, man. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. I love talking to Jeff because he always inspires me to get back in shape when I've let myself go as I have over the past year. He inspired me to join him on his upcoming half marathon, something I'm not particularly looking forward to, but which I know will do my body and mind a world of good. In this conversation, Jeff mentioned how sleep is the best performance-enhancing drug available. I completely agree and wanted to share some insights on this topic from Dr. Matthew Walker. Walker is a sleep scientist whose book, Why We Sleep, significantly improved my views and relationship with sleep. Walker shared 12 tips for healthy sleep, which I'd like to pass along. Number one, stick to a sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. As creatures of habit, people have a hard time adjusting to changes in sleep patterns. Sleeping later on weekends won't fully make up for lack of sleep during the week and will make it harder to wake up early on Monday morning. Set an alarm for bedtime. Often we set an alarm for when it's time to wake up, but fail to do so when it's time to go to sleep. If there is only one piece of advice from remember and take from these 12 steps, this should be it. Number two, exercise is great, but not too late in the day. Try to exercise at least 30 minutes on most days, but not later than two to three hours before your bedtime. Number three, avoid caffeine and nicotine. Coffee, colas, certain teas, and chocolate contain the stimulant caffeine, and its effects can take as long as eight hours to wear off fully. Therefore, a cup of coffee in the late afternoon can make it hard for you to fall asleep at night. Nicotine is also a stimulant, often causing smokers to sleep only very lightly. In addition, smokers often wake up too early in the morning because of nicotine withdrawal. Number four, avoid alcoholic drinks before bed. Having a nightcap or alcoholic beverage before you sleep may help you relax, but heavy use robs you of REM sleep, keeping you in the lighter stages of sleep. Heavy alcohol ingestion also may contribute to impairment in breathing at night. You often tend to wake up in the middle of the night when the effects of alcohol have worn off. Number five, avoid large meals and beverages late at night. A light snack is okay, but a large meal can cause indigestion, which interferes with sleep. Drinking too many fluids at night can cause frequent awakenings to urinate. Number six, if possible, avoid medications that delay or disrupt your sleep. Some commonly prescribed heart, blood pressure, or asthma medications, as well as some over-the-counter and herbal remedies for coughs, colds, or allergies, can disrupt sleep patterns. If you have trouble sleeping, talk to your healthcare provider or pharmacist to see whether any drugs you're taking might be contributing to your insomnia and ask whether they can be taken at other times in the day or early in the evening. 
Number seven, don't take naps after 3 p.m. Naps can help make up for lost sleep, but late afternoon naps can make it harder to fall asleep at night. Number eight, relax before bed. Don't overschedule your day so that no time is left for unwinding. A relaxing activity such as reading or listening to music should be part of your bedtime ritual. Number nine, take a hot bath before bed. The drop in body temperature after getting out of the bath may help you feel sleepy, and the bath can help you relax and slow down so you're more ready to sleep. Number 10, dark bedroom, cold bedroom, gadget-free bedroom. Get rid of anything in your bedroom that might distract you from sleep, such as noises, bright lights, an uncomfortable bed, or warm temperatures. You sleep better if the temperature in your room is kept on the cool side. A TV, cell phone, or computer in the bedroom can be a distraction and deprive you of needed sleep. Having a comfortable mattress and pillow can help promote a good night's sleep. Individuals who have insomnia often watch the clock. Turn the clock's face out of view so you don't have to worry about the time while trying to fall asleep. Number 11. Have the right sun exposure. Daylight is key to regulating daily sleep patterns. Try to get outside in natural sunlight for at least 30 minutes each day. If possible, wake up with the sun or use very bright lights in the morning. Sleep experts recommend that if you have problems falling asleep, you should get an hour of exposure to morning sunlight and turn down the lights before bedtime. Number 12. Don't lie in bed awake. If you find yourself still awake after staying in bed for more than 20 minutes or if you are starting to feel anxious or worried, get up and do some relaxing activity until you feel sleepy. The anxiety of not being able to sleep can make it harder to fall asleep. Sweet dreams, my friends. Thank you.